With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up? We're here. FT Live. Right before Thanksgiving. Look who's back on the show. Danny Graves with us. What's up, Danny? Good to see you, dude. Good to see you too. And I'm so glad it's before Thanksgiving because I would probably be about 10 or 15 pounds heavier if it was after. So thanks for having me on sooner. <laughs> we we would not know. We would not know. You are you are a svelte man in person. <laughs> and also when you have the sweatshirt, which we both do, that's got a little yeah. extra to it, it gives you that Thanksgiving leeway. Nice. Yes, exactly. Well, all, <laughs> all my shirts are big so that they don't see how big I am underneath. <laughs> Well, dude, you, I think you're uh, underselling yourself. But here, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell myself right now because I haven't talked about it much. But uh, foulterritoryshop.com, or you can go to foulterritoryshow.com and hit shop. Uh, Black Friday, we'll do some free shipping. We'll do some 10% off action. The hat I'm wearing, which I'm not a big hat guy, but I'm wearing one today, so people can see. Sometimes you get the FT shirt, world softest shirt. Um, oh, so, totally. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Don't yeah. At me. I mean, we've had many say we put a lot of work into making sure the material was perfect um, and it fits fits nicely. Uh, maybe not for day after Thanksgiving, but any other day after that fits very nicely. But, you know, it does still fit on the on the biceps, regardless if you have biceps like Scott's or like mine. They still fit like you got big biceps. I'm telling you, it's the, the coolest shirt. That was a big part of the research that we did. Oh, Maybe nice. Not a shock to you that we made sure that everybody looked jacked when they put on an FT shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we also have wristbands. Um, so check all of that out. Uh, hats, shirts, stickers even for the kiddos. Um, obviously, right now, looking for gifts, we're there for you. Okay. And any questions, you can always hit us up on our Foul Territory Instagram. Um, let's dive right into things because we're going to have Ken Rosenthal joining us in about 10 minutes, Whit Merrifield later on, and Robert Murray as well, who's an insider who's got some uh, news to share with us. So let's charge the damn mound. And Danny, I want to start with your off-season thoughts and really anything that stood out to you or on the trade front, anything that you're waiting to see or kind of checking your phone most frequently for. Well, not that I'm trying to check my phone frequently for this, but I just, for some reason, get notifications about the Reds talking about some of the things that they're planning or, or talking about any kind of rumors. And this Jonathan India thing, man, they've been talking about it for so long. I know there was talks during the season uh, when they brought up uh, Ellie De La Cruz and uh, Matt McClain that there was a possible, you know, possibility of some trades and they love this guy in Cincinnati. He's a, great for the clubhouse, the fan base. They love this dude, but it's almost like he's, he is going to be the odd man out. Like where do you put him because of the, the youth with De La Cruz and McLean McLean's a stud, by the way, I, I think he's the best out of all of them. Uh, the most consistent anyways. Um, and, and Noel V Noel V Marte, like that's another guy who's uh, came up and, and did great. And listen, I love Jonathan India. I, I think he's one of the one of the better up and coming players in Major League Baseball. But 
He's going to be more expensive soon when he hits arbitration. Uh, and the Reds just have that history of, you know, unfortunately not being able to keep a lot of their players because of a, a smaller market. Um, but when you have Dela Cruz and, and Marte and McLean uh, and Carnacion, Strand, Spencer Steer, all these young guys, there's really nowhere else for Jonathan India to go unless, you know, he decides to play outfield, uh, which I bet he could. But I, I just think this is an interesting story for, for Reds fans. Where is he going to be? Is he going to be in spring training with the Reds or, or somewhere else? Yeah, it's a good call. And I think it's probably going to happen. It's easier to do this, correct me if I'm wrong, in the offseason. Because when this conversation popped up during the year and guys are together and he is one of the leaders of the team, if not the emotional leader of the team and in the clubhouse, when you take that away from a team during the season, it burns more. It leads to more media scrutiny or conversation. At least it can become somewhat of a distraction when you lose a player like that. And it's not like the end of the roster guy either. This is a guy who deserves to be starting on a team every day. So it's one thing if a team has a guy who's at the end of their roster, right? Maybe it's a third string catcher or you know yeah. just a guy at the end of their bench that gets cut or gets traded. It happens. Mm -hmm. And still, people get upset. I mean, I'm trying to think because there's, there's multiple examples, but it's like a, I don't know, like a Johnny Gomes at the end of his career or or A.J. Ellis when he was catching yeah. Clayton yeah. Kershaw and there were tears and the whole thing. You know, right. players like that who are at the end of the bench, like that's not Jonathan India. So you can imagine yeah. what the impact would have been if, say, they traded him this past season, which mm -hmm. I think it was smart that they didn't. They made a mistake yeah. by not going after pitching, which hurt them, and I think they could have been in the playoffs. But yeah. that's another story. So if they're going to make a move, Danny, I think the time to do it is in the offseason, which is why I think it's almost a lock that he is going to be with a new ball club for next year. Yeah, that's a great point about doing it during offseason. I, I remember when they talked about it right around the trade deadline, and and he was dealing with some injuries a little bit, so that kind of uh, put a damper into the talks. But not only in that clubhouse did it like stir up some uh, some noise, but the fans did not like that. You heard a lot from the fans, um, and, and and Reds fans are so diehard, dude. They're they're so into their team. They just want a winning team, and to hear the thoughts of Jonathan India. Um, getting traded during the season was was a gut punch to them. But yeah, if you do it during an offseason, it's going to sting the fans for a little bit. But by the time spring training comes around, everybody's going to be excited about spring training. They're not going to say, I can't believe you did that, you know, you traded Jonathan India. So it's it's a different time um, to, to be able to do it during the offseason. I think that's a great call. Also, the Reds need pitching. They need starting mm -hmm. pitching. They ran out of pitching towards the end of last year. They either had injuries or young guys who ran out of gas, right? They ended up calling up quite a few players that contributed. Andrew Abbott stood out from that bunch, but he kind of ran out of steam towards the end of the year. They were banking on Lodolo coming back, Nick Lodolo, at mm -hmm. some point, and ended up not being the case. Hunter yeah. Green did come back eventually for them. But, I mean, if I'm a Reds fan, I had a fun year watching a team outperform expectations, but mm -hmm. <laughs> there was more. There was more there. Yeah, they could have been a playoff team. They were close yeah. enough, and they missed the boat by not doing anything. That is a big issue because, I mean, Nick Crawl, who is in charge of the front office there, even hinted at the fact that this team was performing well. People were showing up at the ballpark. They were going to do something, mm -hmm. and I get it. It was not the world's best trade deadline. But, Danny, 
it was a bad trade deadline for position players. For pitchers, yeah. it was okay. It wasn't it wasn't great by any means. Yeah. I would say it was maybe a five out of ten. And for position players, it was probably a one. It was maybe the worst position player crop of availability at a trade deadline that I can remember. But the Reds didn't necessarily need to go get bats. They needed run prevention, which they tried to do with that waiver deadline where they picked up who Renfro and Bader, who yeah. neither lasted on the roster. But right. it was pitching. They needed arms. They needed they needed innings, and they yeah. just did not go out and get it. And they could have. Mm-hmm. The, well, I think uh, people wanted them to go out and get a big name starter, or you know, somebody that has proven themselves. But I don't even think they needed that. They just needed somebody to give innings to take take some of this this heat off the young guys uh, that you mentioned out there. Um, you know, Hunter Green came back and and threw the wall pretty well, but they're so protective of him. Andrew Abbott just kind of gassed out. They needed kind of a veteran guy and and not somebody that's a 20 game winner. You know, um, Lance Lynn, I know we're going to talk about him probably at some point. He was, I think he would have been a perfect guy. Well, the Dodgers go out and get him and he gives them some decent innings out there. Uh, that's what the Reds needed. Decent innings from, from a veteran guy in that rotation, but they just weren't able to go out and get it. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So one more trade thought for you. Where do you think Juan Soto is going to end up? And the answer could be San Diego, but yeah. everybody seems to be saying the Padres are going to cut payroll. Oh, they spent too much. They can't sustain this. Okay, if that's the case, Soto is the, quote, easiest option because he's going to be a free agent after this season. Mm-hmm. He's going to cost the team, I think, in the 30-ish million yeah. dollar range. So you would shed significant salary. They actually have a lot of work to do still the Padres because they're losing a lot. I mean, Seth Lugo was a pretty big part of their Mm -hmm. pitching staff. Blake Snell was the freaking Cy Young winner. Josh Hader was the best, if not top three closer in baseball this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just on the pitching side alone. So you look at some of the guys that are locked up long-term for them, Danny, I don't really see many others as trade candidates. You know, a lot of them have no trade clauses and long-term deals. And even ones that are maybe on a little bit of a shorter term deal don't seem like they're in a great position to be dealt and get much back. So it looks like Soto would be the guy and maybe that's where they'd be able to solve some of the pitching. And then you just assume that the hitting is going to be a little bit better for them this year. And it wasn't bad for them last year anyway. It was kind of middle of the pack. So do you think Soto gets dealt? Uh, I think he has to get get dealt. When when you're going to pay a guy... And I'm not saying he's not worth it when I make this comment, but you're going to pay a guy in the 30 millions uh, as an arbitration guy before he becomes a free agent. And you're on a team that is so lost right now. You don't know if you're pl- trying to win, if you're trying to like rebuild, what are we doing? You don't, you, you lost your, your manager that you signed to a multi-year deal. Um, there's so many questions with this organization. I don't think there's any way that they keep Juan Soto. Um, you know, $30 million for an arbitration guy is a lot of money. So go out and trade him to some of these bigger market teams. Uh, 
mainly the Yankees. I think the Yankees are the team that's going to go after him, possibly the Mets, because we, we don't know what Cohen's going to do. He likes to spend money, so he could. But uh, I think you got to go out there and try to get whatever you can for him to get uh, to, to rebuild at that major league level. They need some pitching seriously, you know, with with Tatis and, and Machado there offensively, uh, Bogarts there. It's a ton of money, but they're guys that can pr uh, provide offense. You need some pitching. And, and you mentioned Hater. Hater's definitely not going back. Blake Snell's definitely not going back, right? At least that's a consensus. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, if they are indeed trying to cut some money, then you're not going to add two guys that are right. going to make, you know, 20, 30 plus mil a year, depending yeah. on which guy we're talking about here. So I'm with you there. I mean, the other thing is some people mentioning, oh, trade for Soto and then lock him up to a long-term extension. Good luck. Okay. <laughs> Good luck. Let yeah. me know how that goes. Right. Yeah. If you have a half a billion dollars, go for it. Otherwise, you tell me. If a player is turned down already, I believe it's 440, and I'll confirm it for you in one sec because I just want to make sure I get the number right uh, this time of year. But the reports for Soto a few years back with the Washington Nationals before they traded him, July of 2022, was that he rejected a 15-year, $440 million offer with no deferred money. And it would have been the largest deal in baseball history. And that was the third offer that they had given him in recent months, like in a short time period. So... Do you think that, let's say he ends up with the Yanks, for example, mm -hmm. they're going to throw something at him and it's less than that number and he's going to say yes, also with Scott Boris as his rep? Zero percent chance. <laughs> Zero percent chance he does that. So if you're trading for someone and it's got a five in front of it and you want to, or for Soto, and it's got a five in front of it and you want to go down that route, great. But in my mind, most likely, Danny, you have to treat this as, a trade for a guy for one season, you're a team that's trying to win next year. And that's why I even think like, it's hard for me to see the Mets when they are trying to build up their farm system. It's been a problem for them for a while now. They made some, uh, in my mind, nice trades when money doesn't matter mm -hmm. to deal away Verlander and Scherzer and yeah. pick up nice prospects in return from Houston and Texas. Mm -hmm. So if, if you don't have that guarantee intact and you're the Mets, are you sacrificing a lot of the future again to pick up someone like Soto? Yanks makes total sense. They need an offense. That's a perfect fit for them on yeah. many levels. And they don't have to commit to a guy for a billion years like they would for a Cody Bellinger. That's why I think Soto yeah. will be such, such a hot commodity. And the Padres are going to be pretty tough with teams because they gave up so much to get him, even mm -hmm. though it was, what, a year and a half ago? I still think they're going to get probably like three quarters of what they gave up in terms of prospect value if you tried to put a figure on it. Yeah, you know, like if you're the Yankees, would you consider, I know you mentioned, you know, maybe just get him for the year, but would you consider trading for him and give him an extension? Obviously go way over the 440, but wouldn't you want to do something before Otani signs somewhere? Because he's going to set the standard, obviously, and whatever he gets, Soto's going to ask for what's right behind that. So if you can woo him before Otani signs, you might save you, you know, some commas there in your salary. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to imagine a player that's this close to free agency stopping at this point. You know, he's gotten yeah. so close. And I think if anything, I mean, he could still up his value quite a bit if he has mm -hmm. another big season. Because I think when he first got traded to San Diego, he was down a little. And even in the beginning of last year, he was down and then really picked up the pace. So I think another year of a normal Juan Soto in his prime and then reaching free agency as a baby, like 25, I think, 
is the number yeah. that he reaches free agency <laughs> at, which just never happens, would no. create kind of a perfect storm of, hey, I'm getting half a billion dollars from a team that really needs it. We all love the game. The game. The game. We all put in our blood, blood sweat, sweat, and tears. We're all pushing. We're all pushing, pushing, pushing for the same goal. We all want to be the best. We all want to be the best. The competition never ends. Never ends. And rivalries, rivalries are made. Are made. Start your rivalry. Start your rivalry today in MLB Nine Inning Rivals. All right, so let's queue up some MLB Nine Innings Rivals free agents in the conversation here as we show some player cards. So, Danny, I actually want to start with someone that was briefly mentioned earlier today that we haven't spent a ton of time on. There is Josh Hader and then everyone else in the relief pitcher market. It is clear-cut. He is in a world of his own. Your thoughts on his case, his future, potential destination, and I'll just put this way, over under the Edwin Diaz contract, because I think that's what his team is probably going to work off of, right? Edwin Diaz signed for five years, $102 million, right before he reached the open free agent market. The Mets locked him up. Hater is free for all to shop. Yes, he should be worth more than that. And nothing, not a knock on Edwin Diaz, obviously, but Josh Hader is has established himself again after struggling for just a bit. Now he's that dominant reliever at the back end. And when you look at like how the seasons go, I know people don't really look at going after closers. It's not a sexy free agent pick. People don't think that you really need to have closers, you know, the save situation and all this is, you know, people have their own ideas about back end relievers. To me, when you look what Josh Hader has been able to do in the last three years, he's only blown 10 saves, 103 saves out of 113 opportunities. That's unheard of. And when you look at teams that were in the playoffs this year, I know the Rangers won the World Series, and congratulations, but is LeClerc the guy that you're going to go to to uh, finish out games and have that confidence in? Look at the Phillies. Craig Kimbrell struggled a lot. He still had a decent year, but he struggled in the playoffs. You get a guy like Josh Hader, the the other team's done. In their mind, they're done. This guy is lights out. He's going to shut us down, and, and the game is over. I think that this guy deserves a ton of money, and there's there's teams out there that that need this, mainly the two that I just mentioned, the Rangers and, and the Phillies, because these are two teams that are going to continue to try to win and get to the World Series. Rangers make a ton of sense to me. Yeah, Phillies do too, for that matter. I think both obviously can easily go to that 100-plus range. And when you're looking at Texas, the needs for them aren't crazy, if anything, on offense, right? They're basically <laughs> bringing that entire lineup back. And I think Evan Carter will be a full-time player and not just a platoon guy um, to sit against lefties. So you look at the rotation, sure, every rotation could use more help, but there's, you know, could get even stronger, I'm assuming. And he told us the other day that Max Scherzer will be kind of fully healthy and ready to go for a full season with them as well. I don't think DeGrom's coming back until the next year, no matter what, unless he yeah. surprises us in like September or October, but. Man, I mean, that was the one spot you were looking at that was glaring during the regular season. And then even in the playoffs, Chapman yeah. made everyone nervous. Imagine if it's Josh <laughs> yeah. Hader to yeah. eat up an inning. And also, don't think that he won't give a team 
an extra out or two here yeah. and there now that he signs a contract. That yeah. all had to do with the Brewers messing around with him in arbitration and a bigger uh, a big a bigger battle that's going on. And actually, you can speak really well to this, dude. Arbitration right now is just built off saves. They don't give a shit if you give yeah. multiple outs, yeah. right? If, yeah. if you give multiple innings or if you do a five-out save or something like that and it messes with you, right? And yeah. the way that Hader was used earlier in his career, they weren't even doing that. They were like, hey, let's pick a pocket. We've got the best part of the lineup coming up in the seventh and eighth. Let's go a couple innings here, or even three innings sometimes with Josh Hader. He was a very unique weapon. And I think it was definitely um, more of an injury risk for him to be used that way. Yep. So you add all of that up. Okay, I'm not being rewarded for being this unique weapon in the sport, and it could lead to more injury for me. Why the hell am I doing this, right? He's a human <laughs> being. He can say no. They can't force him to pitch whenever they want. And that's essentially what happened. What, what do you think about all of that and the way that he's kind of made sure that um, obviously he's taking care of himself? But also, let's be real here. Anybody would take the numbers in the season from Josh Hader and not complain that there's a couple cases during the year where you wish you had him for a few extra outs. I think that changes once he signs for big money. 100%. And I don't blame the guy at all. And, you know, going through an ar the arbitration process, I don't think people understand how nasty that is. That is an evil thing, but it's part of the game. And I think it works great for both sides. When back when I was playing, they had you know, we had this category called tough saves. When you come in and get more than three outs or you come in with guys on base, it's a, a stat as a tough save and it looks great. And everybody loves it during the season, but guess what? During arbitration, they don't care about a tough save. That's nothing. That's nothing to them. So with hater, why would you risk yourself going extra outs, especially on a team that isn't very good. That's not trying to win with the Padres. Why go more than an inning? Why go more than three outs? Save it for when you do have that guaranteed money. And when he gets 110, 120 million for six or seven years, guess what? I'll, I'll pitch. Yeah, I'll throw four and get four outs for you. I'll get five outs for you, especially in a team like the Rangers. They're not going to be using him every single day like the Brewers and the Padres wanted him to. They'll take care of him, especially if he goes four or five outs. So uh, I don't think this is going to be an issue. For, for Hader, obviously it's up to him, but I think he's going to want to go out and compete, especially if the team is winning. I've got about five years, 115 mil for Hader. I, I, there's some guys that I think end up getting a year more than most anticipate. Mm -hmm. I think Aaron Nola was an example there. Most of what I read in terms of predictions were at six years and he got the seventh. Mm -hmm. I think starting pitching is still different from a closer. There are many teams that just completely rule out paying that kind of coin for closers. Yeah. So I think that a team would rather just go with the higher average annual value and just top that Edmund Diaz number and use that as a barrier. So I, I think yeah. he gets more. I don't think it's a lot more, but I think he gets more and I think he'll be in good shape with a number like that. Yeah, I mean, he'll be living okay, I guess, for the $115 million. <laughs> Whatever it is, too. Like, and whatever team signs him, if it is five years, $115 million, yeah, the AAV is going to be up there. But if they're out of it towards the end of this contract, they'll be able to trade him. Somebody's going to take him. You know, these as long as he's pitching well and he's healthy, there's these other big market teams that'll say, okay, we need a reliever. We'll, we'll take you. <laughs> they'll be fine. So I want to bring up another guy because, you know, we haven't spoken to you in a while. And... Some of the regulars here, like Pruszynski and Kratz, were getting on my case about Matt Chapman. You know, I start bringing up some um, advanced metrics 
with him. Oh, he looks like a beast there. He looks yeah. like he's about to, you know, go in the wrestling ring. The shoulders, look at that. Yeah, broad shoulders. <laughs> looks like a guy who was elite in hard hit rate, exit velocity, <laughs> numbers that aren't discounted. I'm not going to, you know, do the get off my lawn thing with, with Kratz and Pierzynski, but I was bringing up those numbers and I'm telling them, listen, front offices are trying to project forward. And they look back at this past season for Chapman, and yes, he had a, a pretty nice first couple months and then definitely tailed off. I did some more digging on the power numbers for the Blue Jays in general. Do you know that their ballpark played as the second toughest home run hitting park in the American League? It had been a hitter's park for many yeah. years. Only Oakland was tougher for home runs. The Blue Jays made renovations. They even brought some fences in. But they also made some adjustments that at least some people with the conspiracy theory action going on are saying changed like the the wind tunnels and trajectory and all of that. Whatever it is, I don't care yeah. how it happened. It's just that Vladdy Jr.'s power numbers yeah. went down pretty significantly, yet he still was hitting the shit out of the ball. These guys were making hard contact yeah. and getting lift on it, and it wasn't leaving as consistently as it had in the past. I'm not saying that's the only reason you should look at someone like Chapman and say, hey, 17 home runs should have been, you know, 25 to 30. But mm -hmm. he led baseball with, uh, what was it? Oh, well, that was two years ago. He, he had a 56% hard hit percentage. And this past year, he was second in hard hit percentage to Aaron Judge. So I think he's going to have good baseball ahead of him. And also, again, you just go to the scarcity part of things where he's going to get 100 plus million dollars based on who he is, what he does at third base, and then he's still an a, at least above average hitter as an elite third baseman. Mm -hmm. And at best, right, if you think there's another level there based on some of the metrics that I'm talking about, he could be a still a top five third baseman in the league for the next five years. And you'll definitely pay 100-something million dollars for that. If you knew that was going to be the case, you'd be in the twos for him. Yeah, I, I, Chapman's whatever teams he signs with is going to be uh, an asset. I, I don't, I don't care that he only hit 17 home runs. That's an interesting point you made about the the ballpark. But he's going to hit 20 to 30 home runs wherever he goes. Bottom line, he's going to be a great defender. Yep, I'm with you. So seven, 17 home runs, uh, and in 2022 and 2021, he hit 27 home runs. All right, that was a little look at some of the player cards for MLB nine innings rivals, and you can grab the game for free. Scan the QR code and download it. Game features all on the screen for you, including new battle content. And uh, we will be right back on FT Live. Let's bring in Robert Murray right now joining us. And uh, we appreciate him hanging around for a sec while Wit gave us all of the insight there. Uh, you can follow Robert at by Robert Murray, uh, writes for Fansided, um, MLB Insider. Excited to have you on here for the first time, Robert. How you doing, man? I'm great, man. How are you? Good to be good, here. Good, good. You you got to hear some of Whit Merrifield's insight on what goes down in those rule committee conversations. What have you heard if you've spoken to people in the past, players, um, team people, league people, about that process and anything that you're looking forward to in 2024 and beyond? Because there were a few things there, Robert, that I learned that were new to me, including, yeah, sure, we know generally, for example, the umpires probably don't want robo-umps, but you're actually getting those conversations going down there where they're actually fighting against it, you know? No, for sure. And it's something that I've heard consistently from players and even agents as well, is that they just hope Major League Baseball prioritizes their long-term health in this process. It doesn't just try to close games 
uh, and get them to about the two hour and 30 minute mark is they want to find different ways to shorten the games. And I think what Witt said in terms of the challenge system where managers are holding up their arms six, seven times a, a game waiting or delaying the game to see if they should challenge. And I think that's one of the ways they can do that. Get three minutes out there or th- get three minutes out of the game, at least per game. Uh, they can do a lot of different things, but I think the consistent thing from players is they just want to make sure that they're being put in positions where they can be healthy for 162 game baseball season. And I think this process is, is really, it's, it should take time. It should not be rushed. And I think major league baseball really needs to listen to its players and listen to them seriously because they're, as Witt said, they're ultimately the ones who are responsible for putting money in the owner's pockets. And this is a big issue and something that should be taken very seriously. Okay. So Robert, let's, let's move to the freshest news right now. We got a, we got a little trade action in the last 20 minutes or so. So Eugenio Suarez is the main piece of this moving over to the Arizona Diamondbacks who had Longoria on a one-year contract and they're going to fill their third base position with another veteran who can bring some serious pop. Yeah, there's some swing and miss in that bat. And I'm seeing this as we're talking to Wit earlier. But, I mean, early reaction for me is here's a team that desperately needs more power. They talk about it all the time and all year. I think they had more pop than we expected in the playoffs. But still, you're getting a guy who can hit 40 for you. You'll take some swing and miss because so much of the rest of that lineup plays the game differently. Do you like the trade early on here for Arizona? I don't have enough yet on the other side to see where Seattle's going with this, but Seattle needs offense. I know they want more contact, but at the same time, I've not been a huge fan of the way that they've been trying to construct their roster over the past year or so, aside from the fact that they have incredible young pitching that's been coming up. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's spot on. Is So I live out here in Arizona. I live about 20 minutes from the ballpark. So I go to a plenty of different Diamondbacks games. And as soon as their season ended, I was talking to some people in that front office. And they immediately said that third base was going to be their biggest priority this offseason. And I thought, and I heard immediately as soon as this offseason started, that Matt Chapman was going to be a name of interest for them. And he was going to be one of the many options that they explore but if you look at Suarez, yeah, his salary is a bit inflated, um, but what he provides is power. He's he's durable. He's played, what, 162 games this season. He's been pretty healthy for the majority of his career, and you're getting somebody that you can depend on. And he's also – that's a really young clubhouse in Arizona, and something that you could hear from different players after the trade deadline was the impact that guys like Tommy Pham – or even Evan Longoria, who they signed in the offseason last year, it really provided um, a good signing board for these young players. And I think that's something that the organization heard heard pretty consistently, pretty consistently from their players. And I think that's what Suarez provides. I think it's a really good move for Arizona because they didn't give up much at all. They gave up a live bullpen arm, and then they also gave up a backup catcher. And if that's the cost of doing business, I think that's a really smart move for Arizona kind of seem like a salary dump for Seattle and they seem like they're primed at least right now to move forward at third base with Luis Urias. So in the process, they cleared payroll room. The Diamondbacks ended up getting their third baseman that they wanted. So on, on the surface here, it seems like a win-win for both sides. 
Yeah, Robert, you mentioned a great point about bringing in a veteran guy like that. I don't think there's anybody nicer in the game than Eugenio Suarez. I don't know if you've had many dealings with him. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the impact, though, that uh, a veteran guy that can produce? You know, Evan Longoria was great, I thought, but you're going to get more offense, obviously, out of Suarez being there now. No, for sure. And like on the field, like the impact that he can bring is, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's got like legit power. He can hit at least 20 home runs, if not 30 plus. Um, and that's, that's a really important thing. And, and if you look at like that roster in Arizona too, like the clubhouse presence, I remember talking to Alec Thomas. He, uh, he was a guy that had a pretty up and down season, got sent down during the season with Brandon Fott. And both those guys ended up being postseason heroes for the Diamondbacks. But he talked about the importance of like relying on those veterans and just getting a different opinions and getting uh, and like leaning on them to get through those tough times. Because as these players said, it's a roller coaster of a season, like things happen and you got to overcome them. And I think Suarez is going to be huge for that. He's going to be really good for that young locker room, but he's also going to be an upgrade at third base and a Diamondbacks team that's coming off of a World Series appearance like that. Um that's, that's a really good start to the offseason. They're not done by any means. Uh, they still got to figure out the outfield spot. They also got to figure out they're going to add another starting pitcher. Um, but this is a really good start. And for the cost, you can't really go wrong with that at all. Robert, on the other side here, I know I started to mention it. I'd be pretty pissed if I'm a Seattle fan. <laughs> they tanked for a while. They built back up what I previously mentioned was maybe the best core of young starting pitching in this sport. And a lot of it's up in the big leagues now, and they're going to be under team control for a while. And I don't necessarily look at that and go, oh, let's trade our pitching for some young position players. They have money. The Mariners are rich. They're fine. They opened up uh, their payroll this past season at about, I think it was 137 mil I talked to Ken Rosenthal earlier about. That was in the back half of the league, 18th. That place fills up. They're doing great. Okay, they'd say if they weren't, they're making a ton of money. Their payroll is down pretty significantly from what it used to be. It already seems like they leaked that they're not going to be in on Otani. What should fans be thinking aside from, you know, the famous 54% number that was thrown out there by Jerry Depoto? I think they have a ton of heat on them. If they think like they're just going to be playing the long game and, and trying to be good, like you're in a tough division too in my mind, right? Like Texas is not going anywhere. Houston's been a powerhouse for a while. What the hell is the plan here? Because they need more offense. There's no doubt about that. Not hard to find. I mean, not easy to find this coming off season. Maybe they get involved for someone like Juan Soto, but if not Otani, they're not paying for Cody Bellinger. What's the plan for the, for the Mariners to be a juggernaut on offense and to show their fans they actually give a shit about being, you know, a 60% winning percentage team? You know, that's a heck of a question. And that's like the 54% number was going to be the first thing that I brought up. And if I was, if I was a Mariners fan, I'd be really frustrated with that. It's, it's, you hear those comments from Jerry Depoto and they seem like a team that while they've always had talent, they've always seemed like they're constantly rebuilding as they acquire that talent and then they trade it away, get prospects, and then they get to the major leagues and they, or you end up just, it's constantly being in a rebuilding state and it would get really old to me. And it should put pressure on that front office to finally establish a winner because the Mariners have gotten the taste of like what winning has looked like the last couple of years. And it just, it, they never seem like they can get over the hump. And 
this trade to me would be rather disheartening. And for Mariners fans, if you look at the Twitter reaction after this trade, there's a lot of people who are really upset and rightfully so. Like Suarez is one of the more popular players in Seattle. And if you're the Mariners like, in that front office and you, you want to put a winner on the field and that being said, like automatically, like at least they didn't say it on the record, but they at least said it like there was reports from, I think it was MLB.com that said they're not going to pursue Shohei Otani. And I don't understand why any team at this point would rule out like being in the bidding for Shohei Otani. Like he's a generational talent. The amount of money that he can bring that organization or any organization that he signs with, with marketing stuff, with basically everything that he provides, it could end up fueling that franchise, whoever signed him for the next 10 years and make him extremely profitable. And so it's, I think it's just a, it's a huge mistake not being in the Otani sweepstakes. Maybe they, as you said, maybe they get creative and go after a Juan Soto type who could be on the trade market. Maybe they go after somebody else because Jerry DePoto is always creative. But um, for me, if I was a Mariners fan, patience would be wearing thin. And I think he's got to get that team on a deep postseason run because I don't know how many more shots at this he can have uh, without actually de delivering results. Yeah, DePoto is very creative, but yeah, why would you say tell your fans you're not even interested in Otani? That doesn't make any sense. But no. uh, going back to losing Suarez, so as of right now, Ken Rosenthal just tweeted out that they're likely to play newly acquired Luis uh, Arias. Is he really the answer at third base? If I'm a Mariners fan, I'm I'm pissed too, right? That doesn't make any sense. No, and I, I mean, Urias, he was a, a top prospect with the Padres, and he was super highly thought of and someone who was supposed to be like a, a long-term piece in that infield. And then he got traded to the Brewers in the Trent Grisham, Zach Davies trade a few years ago. And he was supposed to be one of the one of the answers for the Brewers, but he never lived up to that potential. Like he showed flashes for sure, um, especially once he was moved to third base after the Brewers got Willie Adamas. He seemed like he was more comfortable at third base than he was at short. But that didn't last long. And then he got traded to Boston and basically an afterthought deal at this past trade deadline. And now he's he's in Seattle and appears to be their their starting third baseman as of right now. I would not have much confidence in him at this point. Uh, he's got talent for sure, but he has not proven in his last three spots that he can end up being the guy. So it's uh, – it's a bit of a challenging situation there for the Mariners. And if I was them, I would look at third base upgrades. Like a guy like Heimer Candelario, I think would make a lot of sense there. Mm. And he would not break the bank at all. Um, but I, Urias seems like the guy right now, but that would not give me much confidence. And that would just, <laughs> if I was a Mariners fan, that would just give me every more reason to be upset with what's going on. Hey, Robert, let, let me take you to a fan base that's much happier right now. That would be the St. Louis Cardinals fans. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Sarcasm, but sure. They added innings. They got Lance Lynn. They picked up Kyle Gibson. They said they were going to get three and then tweaked it to two and a half pitchers. So now people are wondering, okay, is Lance Lynn or Kyle Gibson looked at as a half a pitcher? I don't think so. So maybe they're back to their goal of three. Here we go. There are the two signings that we're looking at right now. Okay. They need to pick up innings. Cool. Got it. So what do you think they're going to do to actually address, you know, the top end of their rotation? And also the biggest thing I'm having a problem with is they sound like they're stuck in the past. Sometimes they're like, we're going to value swing and miss more from our pitchers. It's like, 
yeah, cool. Everyone's been doing that for a long time now. And then they do pick up one below average and one very below average swing and miss guy, right? Um, for their rotation. So I'm just wondering what's next for them, like what they think they're going to accomplish that's going to get that guy. I do think they'll get someone, right? Um, but the top of the market's only got a few big names there. And even if they do pick up that one big pitcher, like, do you think that's enough for them to be a division contender again? You know, I thought like the Cardinals, they made it abundantly clear entering this offseason that they were going to be prioritizing starting pitching upgrades. I just did not expect that at all to be them jumping the market for Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson. And I thought it's it's just a really it was strange. And I think, as you said, they can be stuck in the past. And uh, like they, they spent what a combined like 32 million something or 23 or 23 million on um, on guys who are like are 36 years old entering this season. And it just it doesn't seem like it moves the needle at all for them. And I expect them to continue to add um, to that rotation this this winter. Um, I think they have a shot to sign a guy like Sonny Gray. Uh, I think he would make a whole lot of sense there. I know the Twins have interest in re-signing him, and he really liked being in Minnesota. And there's going to be plenty of competition for his services, especially coming after or coming off of the year that he did. Um, but as far as St. Louis and and where they're at. It's it's really puzzling, and you could see the fans' frustration after John Mozalak's press conference yesterday. And he was like, he kept reiterating that they're not done, they're not done at all. But to start the offseason with those two moves, which and I'll even I'll provide some more insight on this too, because after those deals were made, I thought they were a little bit on the overpaid side. I thought both were pretty rich, but I ended up talking to some different teams who said the valuation on on both those players were exactly in line with what they had internally. And so the, the, the price for starting pitching is really, really high right now. And we're going to see some pretty big contracts uh, later this offseason. And I would not be surprised if another one happens soon. Um, maybe. We'll, we'll see. Um, but as far as the Cardinals, they're not done. But this has been a pretty underwhelming start to their offseason for sure. Yeah. So do you get the sense that if they, I mean, I don't know what the contracts are. I think it's total 20 million something between the two, right? So if they don't make these deals, doesn't that give them more money to go sign a Sonny Gray, as you mentioned? Because who wouldn't want Sonny Gray in the rotation? No, exactly. I think you're spot on with that. And that to me, I, I think that would have been exactly how I would have went about this is you want to have as many resources as you possibly can available in order to sign guys like that. And, and Sonny Gray would make a lot of sense. I think Eduardo Rodriguez would make a lot of sense too. Uh, Yamamoto is a player who is garnering just significant interest. And I mean, you look at all three of those guys and you can make the case that St. Louis should be in on all of them. They're not going to sign all of them, obviously, but signing at least one uh, should have been their top priority this winter. And instead they started with Lynn and they started with Gibson. I don't, I like, Lynn, like Gibson's coming off of a really good year and Lynn is coming off of a pretty down year with the White Sox and the Dodgers, both of them eat innings. So they got that insurance for sure, but they could have just gone for more high upside swings, um, especially with the money that they spent. But Mosellac thought differently. Um, I'm curious to see if it works, but considering their previous history in pitching, especially recently, uh, I'm not overly optimistic it's going to work, but who knows? Maybe I could be proven wrong. 
You know, the thing that confuses me, Robert, and yeah, sure, we'll wait until the offseason plays out for St. Louis and see what else they do, is that usually when you get these early signings, it's more like the NOLA deal getting done and he wants to get there. You know, it was curious to me that the they decided to allocate money this way because like you mentioned, you're spending almost you know 25 million bucks on two pitchers here. You better not come to me later on and say you missed out on the big prize by a certain amount of money because you know you filled up your 2024 payroll too much with guys that are more in the back end of a rotation. It almost makes me think of like when they overpaid. I know this is going to be a sore spot for Cardinals fans, but for Brett Cecil um, back in the day on that contract, and you're looking and you're like, huh? And I'm not necessarily saying those two aren't going to pitch well for them, but just the order of operations seems pretty interesting to me. Um, the one other part of this that I thought about was Reynaldo Lopez, if you think he's a starter, would have made more sense based off what they're talking about. They want strikeouts. They want to rely less on their defense, right? That was their big thing that they were pushing during this past season. And I get it for the development part of things and where you're looking for prospects, but I thought they meant the same thing on the um, free agent pitching part of the conversation. So that's where I'm curious. Even if you do end up getting one guy, like let's say they do trade for a Tyler Glass now or something like that. Great. Then you got a big swing and miss pitcher, but it's just one guy. I mean, when you ultimately look at the difference between this year and last year, like I think if they do land to say a glass now, I think that'll probably be it for them as far as what they do with starting pitching. And I'm going to look at the rotation and be like, great. So there's one dude who can strike out the world. And then the rest are all a similar type of pitcher with, you know, Michaelis added to the other guys. Fine to have maybe one of those guys at the back end of a rotation, but I don't know. I'm still feeling kind of lost and feeling like it's going to mostly be the same and relying on one pitcher that you freaking better pray does not get hurt. <laughs> no, exactly. And if it, if that player ends up being Glasnow, I mean, we're talking about a guy who's obviously is extremely talented, but he's somebody that has been injured in the past, and like you got to be very mindful of of not overdoing it with him for sure. And and also, if you do acquire him, that's a $25 million salary, which is going to end up being uh, just as much. Like It's going to be more than those two other pitchers combined. And it's just it's a it's a really odd way for that team to to go about this offseason as far as the, the two pitchers that they did add, because like the, the messaging was one thing that they wanted to add more swing and miss. And then they did the exact opposite and they kind of reverted to what they ended up doing in the past. And. It's just it's a really frustrating way of, of going about the offseason. And and to answer the, the one of the first things that you guys asked is I don't know. Obviously, this is a, a really this is really early on into the offseason. Like the offseason is just beginning. Um, but I don't know how much more meaningfully better this rotation can is going to be at this stage than it was last year. And it would not have me optimistic that they're going to be able to compete with teams like the Brewers or teams like the Chicago Cubs who are going to be very aggressive this winter. And they just got Craig Council who's regarded as one of the best managers in baseball. And he's obviously being compensated like it as well. Uh, just really puzzling. I don't necessarily know if I understand the strategy. The mixed messaging would really bother me if I was part of that fan base. And um, boy, on a scale of uh, one to one to 10 on the terms of the upset scale, it seems like both the Mariners and Cardinals fans or at a strong nine and a half to 10 right now. This is no bueno, no bueno. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're seeing it in the comments too. Like Jackson, who's, who's one of the regulars in the comments with us, said Moselak was asked if he's going to pursue a one or a two. He said, on any given day, the guy on the mound is our number one. 
Come on. Oh, I mean, I, I mean, like what? Just oh, say, boy. just say, yeah, we're going. How about even if you don't want to, you know, if you want to play like the political game of not saying much, just be like, yo, we're going big still. So look out. Like, and if you didn't feel confident about that, then you don't say it. But I don't know. That's that's tough. Let's try and finish on some type of more positive note. Is is there something that you're liking so far? Like say maybe what Atlanta is starting to do and it seems like they're lurking to make a big move for their starting rotation. Not a team that that usually gives up massive contracts either, but them or I'll just kind of give you the floor. If there's anything else you guys have been talking about on your show, which we'll plug in a sec, that's gotten a lot of buzz. Obviously, if you wanted to go down the Otani route too, just kind of final thoughts. Yeah, as like as far as for me, as terms of like what I like this off, I'll start with what I like, and then other stuff that I want to that I want to hit on is 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 the Braves. I really like what they've done, and they're a team that has been really aggressive so far in in the pitching market. They obviously got Ronaldo Lopez, signed him for three years, thirty million bucks. They got Aaron Bummer. They traded five players, uh, including Mike Soroka, uh, for him, and they view him as a as a really high upside swing as far as a reliever there. And they've really focused on, on trying to add to that, that rotation and also the bullpen and every indication that I've gotten is that they're not done. And there are a team that um, I think will add another starting pitcher. I think Eduardo Rodriguez type makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, His market has been pretty active. That is one that is definitely worth watching for sure. Um, and I would also expect them to explore adding another reliever as well. Uh, I don't necessarily know what type, but they're definitely looking uh, for bullpen upgrades. And I really like what Anthopolis has done there. He's always aggressive. Uh, the Braves Twitter account, the Braves Foundation is always thriving with breaking news and signings. Uh, so props to them for doing that. Uh, but I'll give you another one to watch too. And I have not reported this. I don't think this has gotten reported yet, at least part of this is that the Twins, they are part of, they're looking at um, shedding payroll. And they have aggressively tried to move certain players. And one of them has been Christian Vasquez, according to sources who have spoken with the Twins. Uh, I don't necessarily know what the likelihood of a trade is, but when he was a free agent last year, uh, he ended up garnering pretty strong interest from the Padres. Uh, The Marlins right now are looking for a catcher. There's plenty of other teams who are looking for a catcher. So I think he could absolutely make sense as a trade candidate. Uh, if you look at, um, they've got other trade candidates there too with Max Kepler and and some others. But I think Vasquez is certainly one to watch, especially since they have in-house catching options as well. Um, and then the, like another one that I want to hit on, if you boys don't mind. Uh, Go is, for it. Yeah, is, we're, we're here. Yeah, is, uh, is the starting pitching market. It is extremely active right now and if you look at all the different options that are that are out there right now you have like the high-end options like Yamamoto you have Blake Snell you have the like those like tier one guys but you also have a lot of other players like a Michael Waka um, you have like a Jack Flaherty a Lucas Giolito you have players in that tier who are garnering pretty strong interest and and two other ones that are like that are relatively I don't want to say under the radar, at least for Seth Lugo's case, but his market has been pretty extensive. He's got more than half the league that's checked in on him, and it's active enough where I would not be surprised at all if he ultimately ended up with a three- or a four-year contract. He is very highly sought after. Nothing imminent there, of course, but 
his market, there's a lot of teams there that are looking, and I would firmly expect him to end up signing a pretty hefty contract. And then as far as, um, as far as like a really under the radar one is Noah Syndergaard. And he is someone wow. obviously coming off of a really down year last year um, with the Dodgers and then Cleveland. He is someone that I know that certain teams are eyeing up as a bounce back candidate. And it wouldn't surprise me if, if he ends up getting another, another contract this year as teams trying to take a high upside swing there for cheap. So he's certainly one to watch, but the starting pitching market is extremely active. It will be plenty lucrative. And that is certainly an area to watch, especially like going from now to the winter meetings, basically the entire off season. Uh, speaking of ones to watch, Robert, which one of those TVs do you watch the most? I, <laughs> like we're, we're so intrigued. Like we're getting a lot of attention from the, from the crowd too. They're like five TV flex. And I'm like, Hey, Robert's great. And you know this, Robert. I've, I've been a fan of your work for years. Always, always read your stuff on Fan Sided. And I know you've got your weekly show we'll talk about in a sec. But Danny, he's he's locked in. You know, yeah. when, when there's when there's eight, seven o'clock games, he does have to put one on that's the whip around beginning kind of thing. But otherwise, like he can fully yeah. watch, right? Yeah. And where's all the cords, too, by the way? Oh, dude, I, I've tried my best to hide them. They're there. Like there's <laughs> I did my best to hide them, but I'll tell you, we got uh, MLB TV, we got uh, Sunday tickets. So basically when it comes to baseball or football, your boy's not missing a game. So it, it's been pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, as soon as I set this thing up, I had people immediately ask to come over and watch some games together. And it's been a great conversation starter. Uh, been great. I'll tell you the, the, the yeah, we've, we've had some fun with it for sure. But man, oh man, sports season has never been better. Gotta That's love a it. great cave setup. You know, I like it. I mean, the NFL, uh, tomorrow's going to be like, shit, dude, we don't have enough games for Robert. We, we got to have more games on at a time. Robert's TVs are outpacing our, our game schedule. So I love it, dude. Um, yeah. awesome. it's a great setup. Well, you do a great job. Thank you for joining us here for the first time. It was awesome to have you on. Um, you can follow Robert at by Robert Murray also, um, on fansided.com and you want to plug the show too, that you've got running for people that are here that are looking for some more options. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, I, I have a, a YouTube channel called The Baseball Insiders. I host it with my co-host, uh, Adam Weinrib, and we do it every Monday and Thursday. And on that show, I try to drop as much information as I possibly can. Uh, insider info that I have not even tweeted yet. And it's been a very active audience. It's been a blast doing it. And it's been watching it grow has been one of the coolest things that I could have possibly imagined. And I would love if everyone could check it out because uh, that's something that I'm pretty passionate about. So appreciate you guys. Let me let me plug that here. Dude, of course. Baseball fam. I mean, fans are looking for more real talk options, free options, digital options, the whole deal. Trust me, I'm coming from somewhere that was behind a paywall and all of that. So I'm with you, Robert. You guys do a great job. Great to have you on. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Hopefully you can put your phone down for 24 hours, with, which our buddy <laughs> Rosenthal said he's going to try to do, kind of. And uh, we're looking forward to winter meetings, man. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm hoping baseball settles down for Thanksgiving because I'm going to be with my girlfriend and her family. So I don't want to upset anyone at Thanksgiving dinner. I feel like that'd be probably be frowned upon. But hey, baseball is baseball. <laughs> scoops are scoops are out to be had. So I got to try to break some news somehow, no, no matter where it may be. Hell yeah, dude. We know you'll be <laughs> hustling regardless. Robert, great to talk to you, dude. Enjoy the break. Ish. Hey, I appreciate you guys. <laughs> Thanks again for having me. Thanks. Thank Robert. you.
That's Robert Murray with us on FT Live. All right, that was good stuff. Great show today. Um, Let's finish strong here with a little slap hands action. All right, so we can now make the announcement official. We've been kind of teasing it for people, but this is the last show before we're there, even though it stays away, because Thursday and Friday, you'll see content from us, but not live content. So we'll have stuff up on the YouTube channel, and there'll be plenty podcast-wise, still two pods a day for you. we got plenty of interviews that we've got stacked up that haven't been released. But foul territory is taking over Las Vegas. Yes, the Playmakers Classic, which will feature a ton of current big leaguers in attendance. We will be at the Classic. We will also be be doing shows that day earlier on our regularly scheduled time, 1 o'clock Eastern. We'll be up for some breakfast in Vegas for a 10 o'clock show um, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then we'll be on again later that evening on Tuesday, 7 o'clock Eastern time for that Players Trust Playmakers Classic. You can look it up, too, and see some of the names involved. And then there's plenty of others that um, will pop up. So look forward to some cool, obviously, easygoing, authentic, maybe with a cocktail interviews out in Vegas. It's going to be a good time. We're bringing the FT fam out there. So look out for more details over the next few days. And we will see everyone in Vegas. Danny, awesome to have you back on here. Um have a great Thanksgiving with the fam. You look great. You did a great job. And uh, obviously, we'd love to have you back again soon. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. Always a blast with you, Scotty. You know that. And uh, yeah. don't forget, dude, everybody out there, eat your stuffing with gravy. Can't go You're trying that. to save lives, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm trying to bring everybody else down with me. Get fat with me. Yeah. And and no, no choking, no coughing on Thanksgiving. That's right. That's yeah. right. I like it. Danny, uh, thankful for you. Have a happy Thanksgiving, man. And we'll talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, Scotty. You too, buddy. Cheers to everyone in the FT fam. Look out for more content, as always, on our socials, YouTube, pod, the whole deal during the little break. But for the first time in a while, no FT on a Thursday and a Friday. We'll see everyone live on Monday from Vegas, baby. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.